How's it going, Yamitators? Episode 60 with Matt Kirshen. This one was awesome. We talked a lot about stand-up. So if you're not in the stand-up world, you're going to learn some things. And um, a lot of insight. A lot of uh, cool back uh, behind-the-scenes stuff where if you're like, Oh man, how do they come up with that perfect joke? They must write perfect jokes all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we talked about that. We talked about his podcast called Probably Science. Um, we got into it, and it was a really fun episode. So um, go to uh, – you know what? I keep telling you guys to go to facebook.com slash Yamatat with Doug Culp, and I haven't updated it in a while, and I'm sorry about that. But um, I, I wanted to maybe try something where uh, if – if the first, I have a I have an email set up for Yamatat and it's yamatatpodcast at gmail dot com, and if you email something uh, to that email, like maybe a question or a comment or like or like oh man, uh, just yeah, any like any kind of sentiment to that email address, I think. I want to send something from my room, which is also like the studio, to that listener. And the first five people to do that. Um, I just think it could be like a cool thing, like connecting with uh, connecting with the listeners, connecting with the imitators, connecting with you guys. Um, so yeah, first five people to send an email to um, yamatatpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'll send you something. Um, cool. <laughs> so, also, um, rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher, whatever you're listening to this on, please. It really helps get the word out. Um, I'm going to keep talking about our apartment comedy show. Uh, I'm, I'm moving soon, so hopefully I'll be able to get that show started there. And my Twitter is at Dougathan, D-O-U-G-A-T-H-A-N. The show's Twitter is at Yamatat. So yam it up with me and Matt Kirshen, everyone. Yeah. Also, one more thing, Yamatators. Um, if you go to yamatat.com, <coughs> there's a donate button there for PayPal. And anything would help. Anything would be amazing. Um, thank you in advance, anyone who uh, decides to donate. I could do, like, donor shout-outs, I guess. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you feel generous and if you're like, man, I like what this guy is doing. I hope he keeps get getting to do it. Then uh, help. Please help. That would be great. Okay. Sorry. Um, here's the episode. Yeah. Well, this isn't my place. It's her place. And I'm like, she's subletting the room to me. Cool. Yeah. Nice setup. Yeah. Why'd you want me? You want, want Oh, yeah. If that's, if that's cool. That's absolutely cool. I kind of have to be out of here by two. Is that okay? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all got busy schedules. I know. I know how to... Today's ended up being crazy busy. Like, yeah. all of a sudden. I was going to be meeting someone for dinner, and now it's a late lunch, and... <laughs> Uh, we've got to do our another podcast recording tonight at between five and six thirty. Wow! All right, so um, bit of a bit of a rush. It's okay. It happens. Uh, I just got my replacement phone in the mail. Oh yeah, what happened to the old one? 
Um, it got stolen out of my hands. And then there was a two-week span of me just r- running around with this this little guy, this loner phone. Yep. Yeah, from like 2000, uh, probably 2005, 2006. Like it's it's pretty old. And UPS guy was later than he usually is. Uh huh. So you missed him? No. Uh, I was out there waiting, and then if you got there first, I had a sign on the gate, like taped on the gate, just to be like. Listen, I know you can't get in without a key, so just give me your call and I'll come down. Yep. Because <laughs> I, yeah, the, it's a nightmare to, like, wait for them every time. I got the wrong replacement phone three different times, so. No, fuck, that's going to be maddening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I was at the end of my rope, and then he showed up, and I was like, yes! Yes! Ah, uh, finally. That's... And it's the right one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the HTC. The, the newer HTC with, like, the two cameras on the back and all that. What do the two cameras do? It's for, like, it's a gimmick. It's for 3D effect and, like, um, you can do uh, picture, like a hunt, like a 360-degree picture. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. So that's an uh, Android phone, right? Yeah. I quite like... I. I mean, I've been iPhone all the way since I got the first smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hang on a second. No problem. Have you... Uh, I haven't listened to much of Probably Science. I did listen to the Gallagher and Peter Serafinowicz episode. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's how every episode is. Every episode is like that. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that was, that was nuts. Um, yeah, every episode has a crazy racist comedy legend and a horrified, more famous now and he can't quite deal with it, person from England. <laughs> did that, did that like shoot him into a stratosphere or something? Uh, I mean, that shot us into the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, have you guys, oh, have you guys done an episode on time travel and like teleportation? I don't, we probably have a time, we, we tend, we tend to not, unless we have a specialist on, um. Uh, unless we have a specialist on, we go through normally like five or six different stories. Oh, okay. But if we have someone who's a scientist or a science writer, then we just do their stuff. Oh. But for a long time, the downloads chart was like episode, 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 Gallagher, episode, episode. episode. <laughs> it took about, it's taken about a year and a half, but now we've got to the point that... Like our average episode has now overtaken the Gallagher peak. Oh, nice! So we've we've grown we've outgrown Gallagher. Now. <laughs> You've overshadowed the shadow. <laughs> um, cool. Should we go for it? Yeah. I mean, we're already rolling, as you as you can see there. Oh, well. <laughs> should we incorporate what we just said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's redo what we just said. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh. <laughs>
I'm happy for everything I said there to be in. That was all. Buzz. <laughs> Absentmindedly texting and talking at the same time. It's Unguarded. Fine. It's truthful. It's, it's fine, yeah. I like this one central mic setup that you've got here. I mean, you know... It's... No, it's good. It's, it's so much... Like, it's, I, I can see that it's being picked up. I've got... Yeah. You have a wildly excessively sized screen that is monitoring the sound waves here. <laughs> it's a TV, but it doubles as my second monitor. Yeah, my so... Computer. Uh, yeah, look, your listeners won't know this, but... Basically, something that could be on, like, a half laptop. It's just a sound wave moving slowly across the screen while we're recording this. Is on half a cinema, basically. <laughs> do you know why I do that? Um, there's There's been like two or three episodes where we've been recording, and I usually would have it over here, yeah. and just talking, talking, and then I look back over, and oh shit. It stopped. It stopped, up. Yeah. 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 So. That's my. This, yeah, this way I can engineer and produce, and like. that. That's my, like. <laughs> Nightmare for probably science. We do a really good episode, and then yeah. Will Anderson has lost seven toe fops that he may or may not be able to recover just because he's he cleared some space on a drive and then realized, oh shit, that space is episodes. <laughs> There's uh, stuff in that space. Yeah, and, we, and we've had a couple of panics with probably science where we've had where suddenly the computers crashed or whatever and gone like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and we've only so far we've only lost. At most like five minutes oh wow but That's it good. worries me yeah I d- but yeah there's computers are fickle fickle beasts you have to you have to we, just be like okay we should have backups like <laughs> what we should do we did that one we had chris hardwick we had which i think he was our first like big guest yeah and i was so nervous about losing it that i also used my phone like i just left that recording next to <laughs> so I was like if it all fucks up and we lose this entire episode we'll still we can still it. put out like a shitty quality <laughs> You yeah. just go like, "Hey guys, listen. We lost the we lost the proper recording. <laughs> the master's but gone, but the he master's was... gone. But if you're a fan of the show, like it's Chris Hardwick, it's a really cool episode. So <laughs> if you're a fan of the show and you want to listen, <laughs> apologies for the fact that it's a phone in the middle of the table. But here you go, have a listen. <laughs> so well, it's good you didn't lose it. Yeah, it's good that you haven't lost only only five minutes. Was it a pretty pretty solid five minutes that you lost? It was the best five minutes of podcasting that's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> The world's greatest. Um, oh my god, that five minutes. We still talk about it. We would have put all other podcasts to shame. Yeah. Was, uh, in a way, it's kind of good, to be honest, because I, I, a lot of my friends have podcasts and people I admire and respect, and I hate to see them just being... It was the worst. Like you go, like ah, oh, having to walk into a green room at a comedy club, and everyone's like, oh, I there used to podcast, but I had to stop. You, you won. You did it. <laughs> You've beaten us all. Are you happy? Yeah. So I don't know you that well, Doug. We've met a few times. Yeah. I, I see. I see you're a gamer. Oh yeah. Uh, Video games, board games, uh, comic books. I've, I've got recently gotten more into comic books. But yeah, do you what? Do you play any of these games, or did you just? No, I just look around. I've and... been to Game House, and I can see you've got the sticker for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's um. I've got a friend who's really into board games and game games in general. He's like, he's always trying to drag a group of us to a game. Next time he tries to drag a group, I'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> Is it Brent? Uh, no, I don't think you know him. It's Thomas Nelstrop. He's an English oh, okay. comedian, comedy actor. Um, 
but he's he's big into his game nights or game days or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. game house was cool. I liked it. It was like it's really cool. It's this, All the board games just lined up lined yeah. up against the walls. It's this and... cafe. It's pretty new. I think it's only been around for a year or so. Yeah, and it has every every board pretty game. much every board game and card game and like any iteration in between. Yeah, it yeah. has a very wide selection, and you go there and you pay. Five a, bucks. Yeah, you pay. A, I think it's even cheaper during the day. Oh. But there's a yeah. You pay a flat amount of money, and then you have free reign free on all the games. Exactly. <laughs> and we started playing a game that was far too complicated. What game? I can't remember now. But he was, he was like, okay, so let's go there. That and we're like, like we we only have an hour, and the first fourth. <laughs> it made me feel suddenly inept. Because <laughs> the other time that I mainly play board games, every Christmas we go to. My aunt and uncles, they do Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, my family's Jewish. My mum does the Jewish holidays, and my aunt does the Christi- does Christmas. Okay. That's the way we have so it. So you get the out. best of both worlds. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but we always, you know, after dinner, we always, we normally play one or two games of some sort as a family. Yeah. And most of that time is spent explaining the rules to a 80-year-old aunt. <laughs> so she's like, what Which is I a joy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... To be honest, I think trying to explain the rules to Auntie Hilda is almost as much... It's possibly more fun than playing the game. Like, it's just... It's a team sport. We all take we all take turns, and we all have our, little, our strengths and weaknesses when it comes to that bit. And we try and get the rules across. You know, she's... As, as 80-something people go, she's pretty on it. She's pretty smart, but she's still in her 80s, and she has her quirks. She's, it's... Everybody uh, wins. Yeah, but that suddenly <laughs> in Game House, while Tom was trying to explain, that I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm Auntie Hilda now." I <laughs> know, like, but if you go here, then you can buy these. But if you don't buy these, then you can do that. But if you, I was like, "Ah, I can't let's do a simpler one." That sounds like Agricola. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Right. I know we played a very simple but very fun game that was kind of what was it? It was it was all very basic game theory, but like got quite complex and fun. You each had two cards mm-hmm. and they had on them like it was like the assassin or the Yeah, uh citadels? I think that might be it. Yeah. It was like there was like five I think five things that you could oh, wait. be. There's citadels and then there's coup. Uh, oh it might have been coup. I think it's coup, yeah. Yeah, you had like you just had two cards each. Yep. And each t- each time someone would make a move and different cards had the ability to either block or counteract yep. or Yeah. But of it, but it's also a hidden. Yep. Your your hand is hidden, so you can claim to have certain things, yeah. and then you can be challenged on it. Yeah, and when you're challenged on it and you don't have it, you're like, oh man. Yeah. Because <laughs> that person dies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really. I was like, oh, really simple game, but suddenly really very complex and interesting gameplay. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Loved it. There's a lot of games like that where you're like, I see the box, and I'm like, all right, this could be okay, and then you're like, oh. There's a lot more to this than I thought. Like, yeah, yeah, suddenly, like, very simple gameplay, but suddenly gets incredibly complex when you have four people playing it, mm-hmm. each with two cards, yeah. each claiming that they have any number of other cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets uh, it gets out there. Yeah, it was fun. Mm. Oh, so, how long have you been doing comedy? No. Do you this have? Will do you have like a? Be my fourteenth year. Awesome. I think, I st- yeah, I started at the end of two thousand and one. Um, right. So, were, then, uh, were you still in England when you started? Oh yeah, yeah. I did. I did a comedy in the UK 
for five or six years before I came over here. Okay. At all. Did you move to LA first? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I never did New York, which I don't liked. Like, I think I still occasionally have vague notions of doing because every time I've gone to New York it's been really fun yeah. I really like New York I've still never been oh it's a great city and, yeah. and I grew up in London and London and New York are they're comparable right very yeah. similar yeah I mean there's obviously wild differences if yeah. you want to start drawing comparisons but the roads they're driving both... on the wrong side of the road right different <laughs> accents <laughs> uh, if you ask someone what the city is called they say different things there's any number of differences but it's it's pretty similar, you know. It's very <laughs> densely populated, very busy capital city. Uh, I know New York isn't the like political capital. L- London's kind of weird, like like, like L- one of the reasons why London is so massive is it, it's kind of the capital of pretty much everything in the UK. Yeah, because um, big Big Ben and the. Well, it's um... like yeah, it's like the political capital and financial and the entertainment industry and the advertising industry. You know, it's all. It's all centered in London, whereas in America, you've got, like, D.C. is for politics and New York is for, sort of, advertising and theater yeah. and film. Mm-hmm. Uh, then L.A. is for TV and movies rather than film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and the, you know, the, and Vegas is, uh, like, gambling and nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's, you know, there's, like, there's a whole series of main cities for different things, whereas in New- London is just, like... Is all of that, but it's still it's very similar. You know that same idea. If you're getting, if you're doing comedy in London or New York, it's that same. You know, you get the train, do a gig, get back on the train, do another gig, get it. Yeah. So I I get New York. I like it. I don't know whether I'd want to live there, but it gets brutal in the summer and the winter. Yeah, <laughs> it has the polar opposites where you're like, okay, it's gonna be really, 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 really cold, yeah. and then it's gonna be really, 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 really hot. And the other thing is, whenever I've gigged in New York. Because I've only ever been visiting for a week or so, I get that really fun thing of you do all the good shows in one go. Because you tell everyone, like, you know, you have like a month or two's notice and you're like, hey, I'm going to be in New York for these seven days. Can I do your show? And they all go, oh, absolutely. And so you have this crazy week where you do like the 10 best shows in town. Mm-hmm. But if you live there, you'd only get to do those shows once every five months oh, or something. Yeah. So if it's an event. Yeah. You, that's yeah. what happens when. You know, when people from New York visit LA as well, you're like, how are you doing all these amazing shows? Oh, because you're only here for a week. So that's yeah. why you get to do, you get to do Meltdown and you get to put your hands together and you get to do Hot Tub and you get to do, like, you do everyone. <laughs> yep. It's like one after the other and you come away going like, LA has the best comedy ever. <laughs> so that was my week in New York last time I was there. I did like, uh, I did all the fun shows. I did Seth Herzog's show at Sweet. I did Whiplash. I did like uh, at least one set at all the nice clubs and it was just, it was just all fun. Cool. Oh, I did Hannibal's show, and it was like it was just like just fun show after fun show. But I know if I lived in New York, I'd be like I'd be trudging around the the shitter shows, <laughs> envying the person who's visiting from LA and doing all of them in one fell swoop. <laughs> so yeah, that's a very long winded way of saying I came straight to I came <laughs> LA. straight to LA. Yeah, <laughs> plus some road gigs. That was I'm good. On. Tangents are are widely accepted. I figured this, this wasn't the most on point. <laughs> Yeah. When I was like, well, so what are we talking about on the show? Like, ah. <laughs> Not a lot of structure. I do have a few questions that I get to each time. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we you... have um, disk space remains for recording 66 hours and 7 minutes, so <laughs> let's keep this one tight. Is that what it says? That Where... is what it says in the bottom left-hand corner. Oh. Huh. 
I never even noticed that. Anytime I've used Audacity, I've never even looked at the bottom left corner and saw that. Yeah, you miss stuff. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what's like a big, uh, comedy goal for you? Like, or like, what are some of, some of your comedy goals? It's changing, but stand up has always, and I think will always be my favorite thing in comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, there's been times that I've been writing on a big project and it's been very rewarding like, there's something very nice about spending a long time with other people writing a script or scripts and then seeing people make it and then having a finished product that you can go, this. Yeah. As opposed to stand-up, which is... Until those times that you put something down on an album, it's a kind of slow-evolve mm-hmm. thing. You know, it's like... You, you, there's, there's no point that I ever really feel, unless I put something down on tape, that I feel like a bit is done. Yeah. And even even then, like there's times that I've then gone back, revisited an old bit of material that I've recorded at some point and tweaked it. Yeah. Um, but stand up's my favorite thing. Stand up's what I love. And so again, it's just all on a continuum. But <laughs> there's no like end point. There's no like this is definitely no no what definitely one. not. But what I no end point. What I love is I love doing stand up, and it's better when people have come specifically to see you. Yeah, and when I tour now, there are some people who've come to see sp- me specifically, but the most part, it's people who've come to the gig or might have a vague idea of me or recognise me from vaguely something so that might have nudged them towards buying a ticket. Yeah, but the majority of the audience aren't my fans, right? Um, and that would be a nice position to be in. Uh, so Head- headlining tours and yeah, exactly. So you know, I, I'll go around clubs. I'm off to one this weekend where I'm headlining, but still you know that some of the audience is there because they've seen me on something or another and they want to be there for me. A lot of them are there because it's Valentine's weekend and they're going out to a night of comedy yep. at the local club. Yeah. And, oh, okay, let's see what this guy's like. Hope he's good. <laughs> Which is cool. And I like some of that anyway. Like, it's definitely... It's a nice problem to have, but I've spoken to friends of mine who are several levels up the, up the ladder yeah. who do nearly always gig to their fans you know do theater tours or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's a lovely position to be in and they're obviously in a good place but i do know some of them have that worry of staying sharp and staying relevant and staying good yeah because if you're always gigging to your fans and you're never sharing a bill with keen young people who are trying to take your place yeah because you don't if you're doing your own tour you're either on the you're either in the theater by yourself or you have the same opening act always, or one of like four of your friends who are always open for you. You don't do the gig where there's someone featuring for you who is trying to prove to the club that they should be headlining. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is like, it's good. Like I like, I like that position. Like it's kind of the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they're not doing it in like a terrible hacky, like, all right, everyone on the table and dance or whatever. That would be a bad thing. But, <laughs> no, but that sounds like a pretty good joke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, I don't know how you came up with that one. Uh, what made you think of that? You know, you, as long as you're as long as you're following someone who's still keeping them in the world of comedy. But if you're following someone who's doing fart smoney, smoney, fart. Sorry, uh, okay. Let's let's back up. Use your words. Smart, funny. <laughs> good. In, 
can't believe I used the F word on a, on a podcast. Yeah, how dare you? It's my you. career gone. <laughs> You're farting crazy. But yeah. <laughs> as long as they're doing really good good material before you and killing, it's great. Like, it it makes you a bit nervous, makes you have to up your game. Yeah. Makes, uh, yeah, makes you think, okay, well, the audience is laughing. I got to keep them... Yeah. Keep them laughing. Yeah, I'd much rather... I definitely would rather follow someone who is trying to blow me off the stage but in in a good like in a good intelligent way yeah than someone who just does a mediocre half-assed job yeah but if you're if you're touring if you're a touring headline everyone comes to see just you you're probably your opening act probably is someone who's also very good Mm -hmm. but it's always the same person it's not necessarily keeping you relevant you don't again i know friends of mine who do this sometimes worry about being hacked because if you're not always in the clubs you don't know what you have a take that you think is original on a on a political issue, and then you suddenly you don't you have no idea that there are twenty other comics who've had almost exactly the same take. Uh, parallel thought, and like you. you yeah, and, and yeah. you go, and then you you finally do some charity gig with a group of other people, and you're like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> they, oh, everyone's doing that angle on this story. <laughs> everyone's come up with the same bit. Um, everyone's doing ice bucket challenge. Oh right. no. <laughs> But it's a nice position to be in. Like, if you're going to be in a position, like, if that's your worry, there are worse worries to have. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how am I going to eat? Or... (laughs) Exactly. So, that, again, long-winded answer. Main goal in comedy, tour at a high level where most people are coming to see me. Yeah. But then, again, it's always a continuum. You know, I bet if you're... If you're selling out constantly selling out 200 seat theatres you're looking at the person who's selling out thousand seat theatres if you're selling out thousand seat theatres you're looking at louis you know you're mm-hmm. like there's yeah. always there's always someone above you so mm-hmm. you part of my goal now as i'm getting older and getting more experienced is to just focus on doing what i'm doing well and not constantly worry about what everyone around me is doing yeah yeah which has taken a long time to get to that point <laughs> and i'm not sure i 100 percent have but <laughs> It'll be good. Um, another thing, when you're talking about headlining headlining tours and people are only coming to see you, when you get to that point, like you can also like drop in on like smaller smaller mics here and there to keep you keep you grounded and like yeah try out new things. And... Well, I mean, not even smaller mics because I can I can drop into smaller mics and get on, and that's not a problem. But when you're when you're Louis, you can drop into any gig. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can drop into someone else's theatre show to try material. <laughs> He's like, hey, can I... Uh... Yeah. Can I do a drop-in? Who's doing the Nakia tonight? <laughs> All right. Who's at the Paramount? I'll just, uh... I'm just going just... to do a quick 20. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, we're going to have to cut you short by 20. Uh, Louis here. He's, uh, <laughs> just wants to try out some ideas. That was a burger, Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking burr. I think... I... Yeah. Be a bold person who drops into... <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't be out of the question at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if someone was like... I how that... I mean... It's a very strange audience now that is still dogmatically going to 
see him. Cosby show. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's a weird thing because <clears throat> he's still one of the best comedians, but you can't separate. It's like, like I. Yeah. Here's how torn I am. I saw the taping of his that Comedy Central special he did two years ago. I was at one of those oh, tapings. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there was a whole group of people. The Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa organized almost like a comedian's outing, like a little <laughs> school trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were something like 15 to 20 of us who went down to see that taping. Yeah. I might even be in the footage as well because it was recorded. It was taped by Levity. Uh, who were also my managers. So when we got down there, they were like, what the hell are you doing here? And we're like, oh, we organised this trip. And they were like, all right, well, do you want to sit at the front instead? <laughs> I think partly because they wanted people who weren't 60 to sit at the front. <laughs> yeah. So I, prob- I might be in that footage, I don't know. But I saw that show, and this was before I knew, obviously, that. Yeah. And this is the conflict I feel. A bit of me is glad... I got to see one of the all-time great comedians before I realised he was also one of the all-time worst people. <laughs> which is a, a which is an awful thought. Yeah. Like it's a terrible way to think. <sighs> but uh, but I do. I I get a bit of me thinks. I got to see someone. I got to see the idea of someone on stage. Yeah. Rather than what I now know to be the rea- the reality. Yep. And. And it is you like you. It's an interesting question to how much you can separate the art from the person. Because, again, there are plenty of... There are loads of other amazing artists in all genres throughout the years Mm -hmm. who have been shitty people. Yep. Some of the world's greatest musicians and painters were wife beaters and... Yeah. Actors, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so on. You Like, can you separate them from the art? Well, to an extent, yes. To an extent, no. Like... (laughs) In in to one's, in one sense you you can you can objectively view what they do separate, but then even can you do that because when it's someone like Cosby, his material is so intertwined with his persona yeah. and who he is, yeah. and you know and the the idea of him and what he represents, and now we know what utter bullshit that was and <laughs> what is truly behind <laughs> that sentiment. So you almost can't, yeah. or you really can't. Whereas, I don't know, when you look at something like Wagner and his and his music, mm-hmm. like, his music isn't saying, hello, friend, be nice to each other. Like, that's not, like, <laughs> that's not what the ring cycle is. Can yeah. you then separate that from the fact that he was a awful anti-Semite and basically the Nazi's favourite composer? <laughs> But also one of the greatest composers of all time. So I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I. It's a hard line. I, I think um, part like most or a lot of the uh, horrible feelings remain and will remain because he hasn't like admit, admitted admitted anything or said sorry or anything. Yeah. Because well, uh, I don't like even with... know. I don't even know. Like I, I honestly don't <laughs> even know what the what. What kind of resolution yeah, would even begin be. to? Yeah, because I think you know, I think it's utterly like I, I have no doubt whatsoever. I think it's now beyond yeah. most people's reasonable doubt that he mm. is a serial rapist. Yeah. What, what is? I 
I like. Yeah, like how would you how would you start to apologize for that? Like, yeah, I do. I think prison would be a start, but because um, we had that in the UK. Like in the UK, there was a there were there was a series of things where um, it was all precipitated by everyone finding out after his death about this guy Jimmy Savile, mm-hmm. and I, I think that news made it over to the US. In fact, I'm sure it did, but it's nowhere near as big a story in the US as it is in the UK. This is a guy. He was always kind of weird, but again, it's one of those hindsight, like, again, 50 comedians had that, how did you not know, kind of joke, because he used to wear nothing but tracksuits and had this weird hair and it, uh, it was a peculiar character, but he was the sort of mainstay of British TV yeah. and kids TV and pop music TV from well before when I was a kid. Wow. Like, right from, I think he started in the 60s and right through, he was the first host of Top of the Pops, which was the long-running BBC chart show. Hmm. Um, so like, like a, the top 40. Like a Ryan Seacrest type over there, or like a... Um... More like... Not Ryan Seacrest, because he was never the hot... He was never like the pretty boy host. Dick Clark. More like Dick Clark or Casey Kasem. Okay, or, okay. Um, like he was that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Casey Kasem or Dick Clark. If um, It's Casey Kasem, right? That was yeah. the guy, yeah. Uh, Such a great voice. Oh, man. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and he was this guy... Every every impressionist had an impression of him because he had this really distinctive voice and these catchphrases and mannerisms. Yeah. And, um, and he hosted Top of the Pops for years. He hosted this show called Jim Will Fix It for years, which was this show where kids would write in saying, can you fix it for me to do whatever. Like, what well, I remember, like, one kid wanted to demolish a building... I wanted to be the person who pushed the plunger and another kid wanted to eat spaghetti on a roller coaster or whatever and it was like some some girl wanted to dance with the royal ballet or uh and that was the show he hosted that for years yeah. and then it emerged that he was possibly one of the worst people in history <laughs> like it and all this came out after his death and it turns out like it was cover up after cover up and people not investigating um like serial serial abuser uh, he used to he was famous for his charity work he used to right up until his eight into his 80s he would run a marathon the mar- marathons for yeah. Stoke Mandeville hospital um but he was a kind of he had his own room in the hospital and in another home for vulnerable women and he had all this access to these charities and he used that all to just basically abuse and rape possibly hundreds of people yikes and this all came out, and then on the backlash of that, on the back of that, suddenly the police and the investigators went crazy on pretty much everyone who was on TV in the 70s and 80s. Whoa, so so everyone was getting investigated. And... and some of them have come to nothing, but some of them, there are numerous people now who are in prison, including like a few beloved TV presenters Yeah. who were found to be like, yeah, and this guy also raped these people and this guy did that. And um so I think I think they were like, shit, we Savile died and got away with it. What? Oh also he might have been a necrophile. That was the other thing. Like What? Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, Dead bodies? Um <sighs> So <laughs> Um So after that they're like they're now going like we can't let more of these get away. And still there is there is possible cover ups there was, it turns out there was this basically pedophile ring 
in British politics what? in the 70s and 80s, including like a couple of prominent politicians who have since died. I'm now like, yeah, they used to basically kidnap and abuse boys and they were in the British cabinet. Wow. So it almost... The boys were in the cabinet. Yeah, uh... right. It almost... <laughs> That's a terrible joke, a terrible joke, I'm sorry. But true. So it almost basically justifies any of those conspiracy theorists of like, oh no, you were right on that one. Stop clock twice a day, but you were right on that one. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. But, so, yeah, what, yeah happen, what should happen with Cosby is... It's kind of crazy that there's a statute of limitations on such a serious crime. I thought, like in the UK, there isn't. Murder, rape, um, chewing loudly in a public place. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few of them. <laughs> I just imagine someone biting, in, like about to bite into something crunchy, uh, uh, and they, uh, they see the bobby right there. Not like, happening. Uh. <laughs> That's the right word, right? The yeah. bobby? Yeah. No? It, it's the correct word, but it's not a word that's ever really used anymore. Okay. It's more from, like, movies. Yeah. From like, the... this is what they do in Britain. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's more from a time that people, that chimney sweeps still dance on rooftops. <laughs> like, it's around that kind of era. What are what are some other uh, Britishisms that don't, that come up a lot, and then you're like, we don't, we don't really say that, or, like, we don't say that Ooh, anymore? I don't know. Because I know there's, like... Torch for flashlight, lift for elevator, lift for ceiling too, right? If no. some if someone lifts something from a from a store. Or something? Oh, stealing! I thought you said ceiling. Oh no, um, yeah. Yes, yes, to lift as as in shoplift. Right. But um, if you get nicked, you get busted. Yeah, that's still used. That's still um. Chips for fries. French yeah, fries. we still use lift rather than elevator. Still use um, accelerator for the. Gas pedal, oh, gas pedal and okay. petrol for the liquid that gets poured into the car. Okay. Um, <laughs> so those will still get used. Um, yeah, torch and torch and flashlight is a really confusing one, that, and one that I didn't know. Because torch to Americans just means like a flaming, yeah. like the monsters in the castle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whereas in Britain, it could just it can mean that, but it far more commonly means just like a maglite. Oh, there's, there's others, right? I'm sure. I'm sure there's others where it's just like, yeah, we don't, we don't really. Um, uh, fancy dress. That's one we still use. Do you want to have a guess as to what a fancy dress party is? Because uh, <laughs> that's one that got me into trouble. And I was like, oh, it's a fancy dress party, and everyone was like, yeah, fancy dress. Do you want? <laughs> what is it? Uh, do you want? Do you want to even oh, take a no, guess? Oh no, I get it. I get it. Uh, it's gonna be like tuxedo like you dress nice no 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 not no. at all <laughs> it's it's a, it's what brits call a costume party really yeah oh so if you get invited to a fancy dress party and you show up in a tuxedo you basically have to pretend you went as bond <laughs> you'll be talking to a spider-man and a ghost at the same time <laughs> wow that's a Oh, that's a very different one. That's a very different one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what, like, when I was like, yeah, it was a fancy dress party, and the group of people were like, really? Were you wearing a dress? <laughs> yeah. Who did you get your feather bow? You're so fancy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> your majesty. Oh, <laughs> majesty. Oh, majesty. Oh, majesty. Oh, So, yeah, that's what, yeah, fancy dress means... <laughs> 
means get your Batman costume out of the <laughs> out of the attic or yep. loft, as we often call it, or the Batcave if yeah. you are Batman. Yeah, loft is an attic. <laughs> there we go. That's another one for you. Okay, loft. Uh, and ba- do you use basement or cellar or both? Mostly basement, but cellar is okay. uh, recognized. I think um, if it's it's if it's within the house and there's a door that, to go downstairs. That's the basement, and then if it's a if you have to go outside to go, there's like cellar doors to open. Right. Then that's when it's a cellar. Get it. But either way, it's cellar out there. I think no. I think we use both. I think we use either. That was one that I wasn't sure about. And then I can never remember. Um. Oh, subway, metro. Um. Call it the metro or. Uh, we in the London, it's the tube. The tube, or the London Underground, but it's called the tube. Yeah. So yeah. if you're taking the subway, you're like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna ride the tube to get. Yeah, to Yeah, in um, in London, subway would pretty much only mean. I mean, people would understand what you mean, but subway normally means just like an underground passageway between, um, Ooh. like for example, some busy roads. Like if there's like a, a, a massive fast road. And there's sometimes like a little tunnel that goes, you know, go down some steps across and then up again. That's the that's the subway. Oh, and it literally is a yeah. <laughs> um, jumper and sweater. I can never remember which way around they are. Which one? Who? We oh. use we use the words sweater, jumper, and pullover to mean the same thing. To mean hoodie, like a hoodie. Well, a hoodie what? specifically has a hood on it, but right. Oh, but just like the sweatshirt without the hood. Yeah. Um, it can be jumper. Jumper, sweater, or or pullover all <laughs> means the same thing. But the way I have to remember which one the Americans use is which one Weezer had a song about. Uh, sweater. Yeah, that's, that's the only way I can remember. I'm like, okay, they had a... Sweater! Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. If you see me mouthing the words, whoa, 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 after I say the word sweater, you know that I've forgotten again which one's which. <laughs> You've got... <laughs> did you, what did you say? No, nothing, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, so what uh what do you do now for work are you like is comedy comedy's been my full my only job for a while that's so awesome which is nice again that was you know that when i first started that was definitely a goal yeah when you talk about there's there's endless goals and endless things but Mm -hmm. certainly it was a very nice point i was still in london at the time when i realized i could move out of my parents' house and not have a day job and support myself and pay rent and buy food yeah. with gigs. Yeah. So that was cool. But that was a while ago. Um, yeah, I'm mostly doing stand-up at the moment, doing little bits of acting and being on things and then little bits of writing here and there. Cool, cool. Um, and it's nice to have those from time to time. They're, they're yeah. enjoyable and pleasing. But for the most part, stand-up. Writing for, like, TV, like they'll bring you in. And punch, yeah, I was writing up it. or like just. Yeah, and I had um, I spent about, spent a couple of months on the show Ridiculousness on MTV. Mm. So I was writing on that for a bit, and then which was fun for a while, but then it was like, well, now this is, this is getting in the way of me actually going on the road and writing, <laughs> yeah. doing stand up and writing projects that I actually want to write. So, I left that t- at the end of last year, hmm. which was nice. It was you know it was a very amicable, still doors open on both parts both sides for me to I might go back in and do the odd week or so yeah just to fill in for people but that's cool doing it full time suddenly got too much it was like I don't yeah I don't want to only do this yeah it started to feel like well now this is my job 
this is what I'm doing rather than being a comic. Yeah. You don't want to fall into that sinkhole where you're like, I got this job, but I've not been doing comedy as much and I can't do as much. You know, and and not really, you know, it was bits of it were writing, but bits of it felt like more like producing. So like, well, what am I doing now? Am I progressing as a stand-up? Am I progressing as a writer? Or am I just getting money? Yep. for doing something so and and that's what and I realize at the end of one that that's what's happening I'm getting money for doing something which is nice but yeah but you want to enjoy what you're doing yeah and it's stopping me and more to the point it's stopping me from getting to the things that I really want to be doing yeah um, I left a cushy day job to move up here mm-hmm. and uh, that was seven months ago now and it was, what was it it was a um, clinical diagnostics place we made made and sold the things to hospitals and doctors' offices that they used in their blood and urinalysis machines to make sure the machines were running properly. So we made like fake, fake urine and fake poo and like all that stuff. Nice. Mix it with like fake blood and. Oh, we've all done that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool though. That's great. But my job was to make the labels for all of that stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was working with people with like PhDs and like doctor degrees, and I was like, I have zero degrees, but I can make your labels for your product. <laughs> did did the fake things smell? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I never, I never got up close. Uh-huh. Um, there was a period of time where uh, they had a donation, um, donation thing for urine. Where if we filled up, we would fill up gallon jugs, and for each gallon jug, we'd get fifteen dollars. And I think I set some kind of a record eh. the last time because I got like eight hundred dollars. Jesus! <laughs> it was over a period of uh, months, but uh, when people were going to the bathroom in the toilet, I was like, "You're literally pissing your money away," because you could be pissing into this gallon jug. <laughs> And you're just chugging water. <laughs> I was. I was drinking a lot of water then. <laughs> like buckets of Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. You made, you made eight hundred dollars, but you spent most of it on electrolytes. <laughs> I had to replenish. I was so dehydrated. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and I've been doing stand up for about five years now. Nice. Yeah. But you moved, was it from San Diego you moved? Yeah, San Diego County. Did you notice because of I'm this? I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a Heart of San Diego first, first annual marathon t-shirt. I just think when they call something the first annual, that's a ballsy move. Yeah. Because like, like, what well, if it doesn't go well? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think second annual, you can just about. Yeah. But, but before that, you could just call it the annual, right? Or, or just the no, first marathon. The fr- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because if it hasn't happened a year before, it's not an annual. Yeah, the first yet. and hopefully annual marathon. <laughs> so it should be in there. Because maybe you want the word annual in there just to let people know, hey, if you enjoyed it today, come back in 365 days time because there's going to be another one. Hopefully annual. <laughs> but yeah, to... I don't know, it's just a bit, it's a bit op- arrogant. Yeah, it's optimistic to put the hopefully in there. Yeah. And also, you're being a realist. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, 
what's uh what's your favorite part about doing comedy getting a new bit that works like getting when you have the germ of an idea and then it you take it on stage the first time and you go okay well this has legs mm-hmm and then over a few shows, it sort of forms, and you go, oh, no, okay, this is going to be a bit. This is actually going to... Because sometimes you get, like, a thing, and you say something for the first time, and it works, and it gets a laugh, and you're like, oh, that was cool. But I don't think it's actually going to last. Yeah. I don't think it's going to last. I don't think it's actually going to do well enough consistently to work into the act. Mm-hmm. But when you go, like, no, this is a bit. This is a new bit, and it's working, and it's happening. That's yeah. I think that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so, such an awesome feeling to go on stage, something you haven't done before, and you do it, and then yeah, you're like yeah. you get a laugh, and you're like oh okay this is. But I think almost <laughs> almost better than the first time it works, is like the third or fourth time that it works. Because it's Cause, confirmation. Yeah, because you're still adding new bits at that point, so you still get the fun of like creating and seeing it get that spark. But the third or fourth time that it really works, that's when it's really solidifying, and you're really working out what the bit is, and you're working out the beats. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, you're like, no, this is a new chunk of material. This is now a... A new this hour. Is, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> get into what that, like, like I, just mo- I just moved house, and... Uh, Does that mean you moved to a new place? New place, yes. Okay. Oh, <laughs> move, Moving house, we, that's not... You're, you're fucking with me now. No, no. Really? Yeah. Just moved house, um, that would... You, I guess I would say that if I uh, had the DVDs of that show house, and I moved, no, you're fucking moved, with me. No, really. <laughs> well, you just say I've just moved. What would you? Just, yeah. Moved apartments. Just changed apartments. Just moved, or yeah, just moved to a new place. Or yeah. I thought honestly you were doing something like like I. Here's what I thought. You thought you were I was doing. doing a bit. Here's what I thought you were doing. Like <laughs> I honestly thought you were doing like oh because when when you say. In America, when you say moved house, we think you mean, like, move from one place that you were living to another place, where it obviously is a Brit. You mean, like, move from, like, Gryffindor to Hufflepuff. <laughs> or... <laughs> like... Now, my brain didn't even go there. <laughs> no, but you, you were genuinely not. <laughs> you honestly... Right, right. Well, I, 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 I was pretty sure I knew, but then, yeah, that's a, that's a term that, yeah, I haven't okay. heard before. <laughs> Uh, so I just, I just say I've just moved. Yeah, but I mean you can kill. Don't I? Far be it from me to be the word police here. Well, like I say, to make it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's occasionally useful to know those things because. Yeah. If you say something on stage and you realize. Oh yeah, that people would be like, wait, I think he means. Yeah, and yeah. if, in that time when they're working out what I mean, they could lose the next punchline or something because the yeah. audience is still going. Hang on, what is he? I think move house is unambiguous, but I might say like I've just I just moved to a new apartment. Yeah, that's unambiguous completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I moved from somewhere that was furnished. I was subletting. Okay. So I had to buy everything. So I've now. Uh... So I had to buy a bed, for the first time. Yep. And. I took that idea on stage about two weeks ago. And last night I did a seven-minute set, and it was. Pretty much all. The buying, just all buying a bed. Yeah. Um, so now it's There's like... There's a lot involved. Yeah, so now I've, <laughs> now that's like, okay, that's five minutes of material. Yeah. And it's five minutes of good working material. Like, I, I took that on stage and that was pretty much my entire set was that material. Yeah. So... So now that's a working bit. And that's also a tenth, like a twelfth of an album. 
Yeah. Like twelve more of those bits, mm-hmm. and that's a new album. That's a, or a special or whatever. That's yeah. So that's that's really pleasing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my favorite thing about comedy, is getting that new bit that's working. Like I love improvising. I love when a riff works and yeah. you get a big laugh. But it's all it's fleeting, and it's a, it's a nice it's nice to kind of go. Well, that was just. Fe- one of the reasons why it works so well is the audience knows that was just for them and that was in the moment. Yeah. And that's an, a, that's a, an occurrence that will never happen again and mm-hmm. that was just for us. And that's lovely and that's beautiful. But when you... I think I'm a writer at heart and when you get a new chunk that's really, like, flying... Yeah. That that experience of watching that bit grow up from a, from an idea to a piece... Yeah. That's my favourite. It's so awesome. Uh, I love I love when you when you're when you've tried it enough times and you're like okay I've got that one and then you try another one enough times and you're like okay I've also got that one yeah and and actually that bed bit I even I stole an old bit from, from the middle of it yeah I stole an old <laughs> bit from myself uh, plagiarizer yeah. self plagiarizer <laughs> uh, uh, just you know um, Matt has a bit that's really like that. <laughs> So you might want to check with him before you do that. Just just don't do it on the same bill together when you're on the same bill. But I But I had an old bit about it was in the middle of a sex bit that was my old closer. And in the middle of that there was a bit about having sex on a memory foam mattress. And then I was like, well shit, I've now got material about buying a memory foam mattress. I can steal that and put it in the middle of it. Yeah. So that's suddenly that's another minute of really tried and tested and that's like a little tent pole in the middle yeah but so to speak so there's a little so to speak yeah yeah. (laughs) so there's a little bit of you know there's tinkering as well I like tinkering I like I I, I was never one to sort of take cars apart or take electronics apart but I definitely like I like taking a bit apart and putting it back together again yeah that's awesome I uh I recently went back and watched and listened to some of my older stuff and I'm like, oh, I think there's something here. Like, even yeah. stuff from a couple years ago where I'm like, I think there's something here. I didn't ha- quite have it then, but I could... Every so often, and I don't do it nearly enough, every so often I find some of my old notes or old recordings. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's Because re- what happens is either you suddenly find, oh, this could... F- I didn't have a place for that before, but I do have it now. Yeah. Or sometimes... I didn't have the skill set to make that idea work. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Like, absolutely. You're like, well, that's a good concept, but at the time I didn't have the joke writing ability or the stagecraft. Yeah. Or you know the performance skills to sell that idea, but now I do. Now I can sell that idea. Mm-hmm. That's why still to this day, um, I was talking to a friend about this over Christmas because in the UK I was back for the holidays and in the UK, Christmas gigs are hellish. Like, they're really bad, but yeah? they pay well. Okay. Like, even the normal clubs that you play... You mean pay... Christmas Day or around no, the Christmas no, 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 time? No, 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 no. Christmas Day, there, isn't any, there aren't any shows yeah. at all. But yeah. in the run-up to Christmas, <clears throat> when it's normally a mixture of, um, you know, company parties and big groups, yeah. um, and they take over these comedy clubs. So suddenly, rather than playing to 50 small groups of people, you're playing to, like, five big groups, all of whom have different politics and vested interests and <laughs> and half of them haven't paid for the show because the company's picking up the tabs they don't give a fuck about what's oh, going okay, on and then yeah, yeah. so it, for any number of different re- and they're try- they're drunk out together for the first time in a year yeah. and they're trying to impress each other and they're trying to get off with each other like... yeah mm-hmm. and exactly so they can be really difficult gigs and i was talking to my friend carrie about this when we realized when we do those gigs 
we often revert back to some of our oldest material. Like, some of the stuff I was doing ten years ago comes out in those gigs. Yeah. And the reason is, that is the material you wrote when you had no ability to perform. <laughs> when you had no... Very, like, very limited stagecraft. Yeah. So the stuff I do now is stuff that... Well, I can sell more complex ideas, and they've bought into my persona, so I can do more involved, more rewarding, and I think in the long run, funnier material, yeah. but less automatic. Yeah. Whereas the stuff I did when I was four years in yep. was far more... Quick and like... Yeah, well, you know, you say this, you say this, and then it laugh, and then they laugh, because it's a very easy idea, but it's a joke, and it's a punchline. Yeah. So stuff There's no journey. There's no... Exactly. The stuff that's conceptually easier but requires far less performance skill. But you're like, wow, if I could make it... I got a laugh with that when I had two years of stagecraft. Mm-hmm. Then that's probably the thing that'll get the attention of that group of people from... Ne'er-do-wells. We'll call them ne'er-do-wells. Yeah. <laughs> that, that group of drunk people with a very short attention span. <laughs> like, like, if you... So you go back to that stuff. Yeah. So sometimes it's worth revisiting stuff for that. But then sometimes it's also... But then, yeah, you look through your notes and go, well, that was a good idea. Yeah. But I just... It didn't fit who I was then. Or it didn't fit... Yeah. I look very young. I'm in my 30s now. I still can pass for my 20s. When yeah. I first started... I was going to say, like, 16, 17. Right. <laughs> well, if you think, like, this is me at 34. Uh, when I was... When I was 23 doing... 22, 23 doing comedy. Yeah. And looked barely like 12. yeah like, 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 like easily easily could pass for 16 and i was on stage like for for a long time in, like through my 20s through my early to mid 20s my opening line for for years was to like let them take me in for a second and then i just go like yeah relax i'm not actually a child like that was that was my opener yeah. it was instantly calling calling the situation and like yeah. letting people know like and they're like, ah, oh, he's with us. Like, he's yeah, it was like, like, oh, that is what we were thinking. Right. <laughs> That's that tension deflated. Uh, and puncturing tension is kind of what a punchline is. Yeah. Um, and it, and that was my opener for years. But that, but even still, even once they knew I was in my 20s, and even in your 20s, you go, That's pretty young compared to a lot of the audience. Yeah. But when they, they still saw me as quite a young figure. So if I was doing political material, if I had some sort of, I had to, I think some. I'm looking back at some of the stuff I was doing then. I was like, "Oh, you must have looked like the most precocious little <laughs> uptight." Oh, really? Is that how the world is? Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, little guy. <laughs> but now there's some stuff that some of those ideas. I bet if I look back through those notebooks or through those bits, I go, "Well, that's a good joke and that's a good idea," but you didn't have the authority to do that at the time, mm-hmm. and also you do it differently now. Like, then I was very much doing, like, this is what people say, and this is actually how things are. Whereas now I think, you know, that's sort of very root one. Yeah. Maybe not root one with the punchline, but root one with the concept. Mm-hmm. Like, um, this is the situation, and this is how I see it. Whereas now I think I'd be, now I'd have different ways of attacking it. Now I might be, I might might, might do with irony, or I might, I might attack the subject with... F- false naive faux naivety yeah uh which is often a fun way to kind of like sometimes it's fun to naively and stupidly argue the opposite point yeah <laughs> and just, devil's advocate just to do it devil's advocate 
but in an, in a way that's clear that you're playing a bit of a fool on stage. Yeah. Like, that's sometimes a fun way to get across um, contentious ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a contentious idea, sometimes it's fun to kind of go, like, to, to be the one going, yeah, and I, I mean... I don't see what's wrong with this. I mean, why can't we? Why Murder can't we? people. Yeah, yeah why can't yeah. we? Uh, so it's fun to play it that way. I know, Mike. Cannibalism. I had a bit where I was working on where I, I should bring it back, but like, yeah, just talking about like, I mean, uh, some people would probably be pretty delicious. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you can sort of play with that character a bit more when you're, um, when you have a better idea of who you are on stage and when you have a better idea of how the audience sees you. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't know that so much. Even some of my earliest material stopped working three years into me doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it was because I became too knowing on stage. Oh, too confident. Too Yeah, because some, some of my earliest material relied on me being a <coughs> slightly unworldly, confused character. <laughs> and then... S- and it didn't work to suddenly drop that in the middle of a set where I walked on with confidence mm. and spoke with assurance. Um, but now I think I could probably get away with those jokes again because I can play with that character and I have a better idea of how that character, how I'm coming across and how I want to come across. Yeah. And instead of confidence, you could make it appear as though it's false confidence and they know that yeah. you're being playful. And you're like, playing an intentional fool or you're like... Yeah. Instead of just being the bullheaded guy, like, who's this Who's this guy who thinks he yeah. knows everything? and I think that's a much more charming way to be as well on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be dogmatic about stuff, it's much more charming to be... to throw certain ideas away a bit or throw certain feelings away. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah... It, <laughs> It's definitely you convinced me to try and find my old. old some notes. some of them are going to be like in the atrocious. back of a. Some of them are going to be atrocious, but they're also going to be in the back of a cupboard somewhere at my parents' house. I've got no idea where they are, like back in London. But but there are definitely some old notes somewhere that are worth looking through and going. No, no, actually, maybe no more than a one-liner, but yeah, uh, there's a glimmer of hope here. Yeah, well, that's an idea that actually would fit into this thing that I've been doing recently. Yeah. It's yeah, it's really fun to revisit old stuff and then I just yeah, I've been writing I've been writing a lot of new stuff and trying out a lot of new stuff and I need to kind of pepper in some maybe old stuff and like tried and true stuff. Last night I did a open mic at the palace. Uh-huh. And um it was of the like five jokes I did, three and a half of them were brand new. Uh-huh. And, um, what was the hit rate? Uh, <laughs> not not great. <laughs> and it's because I, I I wanted to throw the throw the stuff out there just to kind of like I didn't have it fully baked as idea as ideas. Yeah. I had the premises together and I had like kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, just to see a general reaction before I delved. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes you can you get an idea when you're just sort of sounding it out at home or in the shower or whatever, but sometimes it's not until you actually say it in front of an audience that you're like, oh, I <laughs> very quickly lost confidence in that one. That was... I don't know, that was... Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. But again, you know, you, the more experience you get, the better you get at being able to sell half-assed ideas. Yeah. Like, I... 
I've never seen uh, Chris Rock run in new material, but apparently when he does, he does it at half speed. Like, oh. he does it at zero performance. Well, oh. Which makes sense, because the theory is he wants to make sure everything he's doing on stage actually works, and it's not just getting a laugh because he's because Chris he's, Rock. Yeah, yeah. So he he really undersells everything and certainly gives it none of his performance speed. Oh. And and that's and he hones down that material. Yeah. And then then when it you know once he knows he's got a good bit, He'll give it like then the he, flavor like yeah. Yeah, then he sort of accelerates to full. <laughs> Chris Rock. Yeah, that's smart. Totally, because you know if you're if again it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about people who have hit that level where they're playing just to their fans yep. and they're not really gigging with other people, you do worry um, uh, like, um, about just staying relevant and staying good and making sure that they're laughing because it's genuine, like really wanting to stay at the very best level. Yeah. And I think the only way you can do it when you're as famous and great at performance as someone like Chris Rock is to basically throw away every joke and just see like does this work if I'm mumbling it to an audience <laughs> yeah at its base yeah is this funny yeah. <laughs> like... I'm like it is it does okay that's in the act <laughs> what if he started out every joke with okay is this funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like don't ask us every time we'll we'll let you know with our laughter if it's funny <laughs> yeah all right, you just hold up the paddles. <laughs> green, green for go, red for no. Right, you know. Huh? All right. Yeah. Like just wildly insecure, Chris Rock. Someone finds a yellow paddle. I'm like, yeah. wait, what does that mean? Uh, all right, I'll try harder. <laughs> Should I yield? Should I slow down? Yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, that's another little one. In Britain, uh, the middle of the traffic light is amber. Different color. Red, amber, green. We call it amber. It's basically oh. still yellow. Okay. We call it amber. It, it's more of an amber color, really. Yeah, yeah we just a little bit more... <laughs> sophisticated? Just a little bit, bit more romantic, you know. <laughs> All right, look. It's got traffic lights. Oh, also, I was talking about different countries. Pretty much everyone who has ever toured South Africa comes back with a joke about how they call traffic lights robots. They do? Um, In South Africa? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. But the trouble is you can pretty much... Now I've told you that, you can immediately write the same joke that everyone has written. Yeah. Um, so left to the robot. Yeah, I just... Wow. <laughs> the robot made me stop. Yeah. <laughs> it just... It, on another level, it makes me think that they don't understand the technology, the simplicity of the technology, and they're yeah. like, what is this device? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's been written, too. I'm sure versions of, like, <laughs> what is this future machine? <laughs> Has it come back to kill us? Yeah. No, it's just directing us. Okay, alright. I'll do what the robot says. Just three says. colors. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Um. So probably science is your podcast. Yes, it is. How many episodes in are you guys now? We just did our hundred fiftieth episode last week. That is awesome. Thank you. Is it? Uh, has it been released or? Yeah, that one went out. That was the Todd Glass episode. Oh, that was sweet. Out last week. Yeah, he was. 
God, he's a funny man. <laughs> Just a ridiculous funny human being. I was going to say, what would you guys talk about? But I will leave that to the listener, too. Oh, yeah, yeah give it a listen. <laughs> uh, we took a long time to get to the stories that we... Like, we, we have two shapes of episodes. We either go through the week in science news with funny people, mm-hmm. like that episode with Todd, and then once every 20 or so episodes, we have a scientist on, okay. and then we just talk about their work. Cool. But which which are the which are the more fun? Usually, and they vary. I okay. mean, some of the scientist episodes are really fun as well. I bet they're because they're really interesting too. They're really interesting, and it depends on the episodes. Some of them, who are better at playing ball, some <laughs> are better. Yep. Quite a lot of the scientists actually really enjoy comedy. Because, well, yeah, they enjoy comedy and they get it, and they're smart people, obviously. Yeah. And they don't normally get to like we tell them at the beginning. Listen, we are. We have vague science backgrounds, we're enthusiasts, we're really into hearing about you and your work, yeah. but we're also comics and we're also idiots, <laughs> so There's the we're going to go off topic, <laughs> but don't be afraid to drag us back on topic and get the stuff across, and we and our audience is, the audience really, we have a weird fan base, because the, the listeners, quite a lot of them came to us through comedy, because they were yeah. fans of either us or the guests that we've had on, and that's how they found out about the show, mm-hmm. but also... Quite a lot of them came through the science world. Like, quite a lot of them are... Hey, I... Like, some of them are like... Hey, I was looking for an, uh, a new comedy podcast, and you guys were also interesting, and we like that. Yeah. But then quite a few people come through the science world. We have real scientists who are listeners who listen in their labs while they're doing actual science, which horrifies me as a concept. Because <laughs> you're like, you shouldn't be listening to us, and you should be focusing on the cells. <laughs> but, the cells and the chemicals, all the... Uh... Yeah. But we have real scientists who listen to our show. Um, and and they were like, hey, I was looking for a new science podcast, and then you guys are funny, and that's cool. <laughs> so people like it for different reasons. That Someone also explained to me in an email a while ago, because a few times in a, in a row on various shows, I was like, we've had another listener who's a scientist, and what the hell are scientists doing listening to our show, because we don't know anything. And, and they're experts. And then someone wrote in with the most obvious thing in the world when you hear like finding when you hear it and it's like oh fucking obviously someone had to write in and let me know hey i'm uh i'm a cell biologist so i am just as ignorant on astrophysics oh yeah and <laughs> that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah like scientists are experts in then in their specific field yeah and they're interested in other fields they're too. interested in other fields and they're interested in comedy they're interested but in, you know a, a scientist is an expert in one thing but a layperson in any number of other science disciplines. Yeah. yeah. With, you... with a bit more critical... You know, they have they have certain crossover knowledge and they have maybe more critical uh, abilities when it comes to some of the stories. But yeah. still, they're basically... Or, yeah, a, an astrophysicist is probably almost as ignorant on cell biology as I am. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Because when, <laughs> when you generally think of like... Oh, it's a scientist. They're smart in everything. Yeah, because that's what TV scientists have to do. You know, that's yeah. what you know. Bill Nye has his specialities, but he will do. He will talk about anything, and Neil deGrasse Tyson will talk about anything. He's an astrophysicist. He's yeah. an expert in astrophysics mm-hmm. and related fields. Mm-hmm. He, when he's talking about, you know, biology or uh, or chemistry to an extent, or any a lot of other fields, he's probably. He might have taken a couple of classes at the undergraduate level, but he's yeah. certainly not 
post-grad level of knowledge about those things. Yeah, maybe he got his information from someplace else, yeah. maybe he got some help. And, and he's going to be much better than the average person at reading a science story and distilling it yeah. and presenting it to to the world. But he's still not going to be an expert in it. <laughs> but some, some of our scientists' ex-guests have been really fun at playing ball and ready. Um, we did a live one for the LA Podfest yeah. that had Tim Minchin as a comedian, as our comedian guest, okay. but also had um, Dr. Amy... Uh, why am I blanking on her last name? Uh, it'll come back to me in a second. But she okay. was a... Dr. Amy, we'll just call Dr. her Dr. Amy, Amy right now. Dr. Amy is a... <laughs> I feel bad to not knowing that now. Um, she's a primatologist, a Whoa. bonobo expert, okay. and Darwinian feminist. <laughs> so her entire work is about or a lot of her work is about how all these evolutionary psychologists and evolutionary behaviorists and primatologists, a lot of them are like, hey, we're all apes, and apes are patriarchal and behave this way, and that's why humans behave this way. Yeah. And a lot of her work is like, well, let's look at the bonobo, because we are the same genetic distance from the bonobo that we are from chimps, Yeah. and bonobos are, bonobos are matriarchal, and they mate in all sorts of gender combinations yeah and they don't behave these ways and they don't have and the women control the the groups and the women control the sex and you and do all these things that humans are supposedly not able to do because we're apes <laughs> so she was fascinating but she was also really she was really good at playing with our nonsense like she was really good okay. at like because tim tim's also an incredibly smart person and very interested but he's also a comic so he was playing around messing around mm -hmm. and she was great at um like half um half rolling with our, our nonsense and then like and then playing you back on the track yeah she was brilliant like she was playing ball and and joining in with our stupid riffs <laughs> but then also going but here's what the science actually is. <laughs> and being incredibly interesting and just and knowledgeable. Yeah. So that was great. And we've had some really great physicists on who also... Um, uh, Dr. Jan Levin, uh, she's great. And then uh, these two other guys that she put us in touch with at Caltech, mm -hmm. uh, Jamie and Larry, who are, um, I think, postdoc physicists, yeah. uh, who were, again, like good enough at being funny and silly to play <laughs> along, but also really not knowledgeable. Yeah. So I think they're some of my favourite episodes of those. <laughs> but then also we've had some wildly funny comics who... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched a, a video... No, I half-watched it, but it was about how there's going to be space travel, like, pretty soon to Mars. Like, they found a way to get us to Mars in, like, a half an hour. But still, they have to build the ship. And that sounds implausible. I know. Hey, and it can't be half an hour. But the way... Like, so I was watching you the video... It have to the... be more than that, because I'm just <laughs> trying to think even... How far is Mars from Earth? Well, actually, well... The the design of the ship is a big part of it. The sun is six light minutes from Earth. <laughs> eight. Um, isn't it eight light minutes? Something like that. Yeah, it might be eight. Yeah. So I guess Mars is... You're not getting close to a fraction of the speed of light, but still, that seems... It's something with the shape of the ship, and while he was explaining it, um, my brain got lost, because there was so much talk of, like, 
physics and astrophysics where I was like, this is above my brain's pay grade. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then so I tried to keep watching it and I was like, ah, I can't understand it. Oh, and he's probably simplified it down too. <laughs> but <laughs> well, that's what happens on like by our show. People sometimes send in, like we now have our listeners often send in the stories now as well. They're like, hey, cover this. <laughs> and sometimes they send in, um, uh, Sometimes they send in the actual original paper. I'm like, nah, we can't do that one. <laughs> like we can, by the time, by the time the science expert at the BBC or at New Scientist or Scientific American has read the paper and the press release and then distilled it into something that is an article <laughs> from Time Magazine or something. Then, yeah, then that's simple enough that we can then take that article. And further simplify it for our podcast. Like, <laughs> so that's they're, the level we're they're at. sending you like the findings or whatever, and you're like, ah. Exactly. Like sometimes they do. Like sometimes we have our scientist listeners, who again we're great, love them, but they, they will sometimes just send the link to the actual research paper. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. I can't distill this. I don't know what to I'm do. Like, with it's this. too much. Because <laughs> it's 500 pages long. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And if you're really good, you know, again, if you're a scientist, you get very good at reading, even if it's not your field, you do get very good at reading papers because they're all written according to a certain format yeah. and you, you understand yeah. them. Uh, we, we need a little bit more help. <laughs> it's very humble of you to admit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, at the at the beginning, you were talking about iPhone, and you've had an iPhone since the beginning, and then you said something about, were you going to say, like, you were thinking of... Well, there's, there's only a couple of things that, like, I got used to iPhones, and I like them, and I have a MacBook as well, so I probably won't change, but then... Yeah. I'm fed up with Siri. Siri's bullshit. Siri's just not good. <laughs> and and I, now I realize Google has the app, the voice recognition... Yeah, okay, Google. On the And I use the voice recognition on Google's app, and it, it was just the other day when I was like... I was trying to go to Van Nest, sorry, Van Nice Tires. Yeah. Uh, which is a tire shop in the city of Van Nuys. Yep. Where, which, by the way, if you have a puncture, they're good and they're cheap. <laughs> I'm a fan of that place. I will Here's give a them plug. a free plug, free advertising there. Go there if you are within a short distance of Van Nuys. <laughs> but I tried to sit. I was driving, so I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't use text or anything. I was like, I thought I knew where that, but I was trying to find exactly where it was. I, Oh, that's right. I was trying to see what time they closed. So Siri, I was like, Van Nice Tires. And it was like, Van N-I-C-E-T-I-A something. It was like, it just kept, it was like a parody of like a voice recognition. <laughs> I was doing that for ages. You and sure like, you weren't being filmed? Then I tried for a parody? spelling it. And it, uh, I was like, Van N-U-Y-S Tires. And it kept like a, Van, N-U, then the word yes. And it was just like... <laughs> no! But then Google just... So then I opened the Google app and it just did it instantly. So it's like, oh, it's better at that kind of thing. Yeah. So that it was just, there's been a few things like that that's made me go like, oh, maybe I uh, I probably won't because I'm... I, Apple have got iPhone. me and now, I'm just, now I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'm stuck with this technology now. Once they've got you with all the integrated and all of your products are integrated, yeah. it's hard to... Probably hard to get it's out of that like hole. Plan that. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like, like they that through. almost like the marketers were like, "Listen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been Android the whole the whole time, and I don't disparage iPhone, but I'm like, nah, I I'm good. Um, 
What time do you need to get out of here? Because you ha you said you have something at two, or you have to I, get out of here. At I two? have a few things at two. <laughs> no, I have something. So at um at two, I'm going to meet. It's not too far from here though. Okay. But at two, I'm going to meet. So <laughs> still trying to fill my house or my my apartment. Okay. And I got a friend who's moving back to London, and she's selling a whole lot of her stuff. Okay. So I'm going over to hers, and she's got like a <laughs> small window where she's got this garage, and she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like. Voila, my stuff. And I'm going to look through it and then give her money and hopefully have, like, a table. <laughs> and a few other things. You're like, is $1,000 enough for this table? Uh. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully in the cheap. She's like, you can have it for $10. Put the rest of your money away. No! I'm very bad at negotiating. I don't know how haggling works. 2000 <laughs> yeah. uh, like, okay. Would my first child work? <laughs> I don't have a child, but I promise you, you can have my child. Is that <laughs> just just a hundred dollars is fine. Okay, okay, a million. No, I, I'm not a millionaire, but one day I hope to be. A... I'll pay it. I'll, you know I'm good for it. <laughs> well, before you go, uh, plug plug everything. Uh, we we plugged probably science. I'm trying to find. I, this is just bugging me now. The reason I'm I'm now. Um, Are you trying to find Dr. Amy's name? It's exactly what I'm trying to find. I can't believe I can't remember it. <laughs> Like I'm looking it up, and that, and now my phone is being slow to Amy oh. Parrish. There we go, Doctor Amy okay. Parrish, and she's a bonobo expert. <laughs> at the, she's she's actually she's a San Diego person now. Oh, cool. She's um, some of her research is with the San Diego Zoo. Yeah, the and bonobo the, enclosure there. There's the safari park, uh, too. Which right. Yeah, I've never been to the safari park, but I've heard it's awesome, where you can just go right up to the animals. Almost, it, like there's still a cage, but... A safari park, there was one in the UK in Windsor that we used to go to as kids, and the whole deal was you drive through the enclosure. Yeah. And then, like, you get, like, lions climb onto your car. Uh, I don't know if it's that personal there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually it's not sure. It's a really weird concept, actually. Yeah. Because the whole idea is you sort of drive through this thing, <laughs> and then... Like, they tell you to put your aerials down and everything, because this is back when window? every car had, like, the window... Windows have to be up. Aerial is what... Oh. Oh, uh... You should put your aerials down. Wow. I'm trying to even think. The thing that sticks out of the back of the car that gets the radio signals. Antenna? Oh, uh, antenna, yeah. Aerial. It's an there aerial? Okay, cool. There's another one. What, and you call it a TV antenna that's on the top of a roof? Yeah, but those are less common now because everyone just has either cable or they just don't have cable yeah, at all. Yeah, but that's, that's what that thing is then. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's an aerial? In... Yep, that's an aerial. Okay, cool. <laughs> Which makes sense. It sticks up out into the air. Yeah. I don't I don't know the, the root of antenna. Uh, well, it also <laughs> sticks out, I guess, like the same way it does in a bug. Yeah. Makes sense. There you go. Dr. Amy Parrish, go and check her out. <laughs> if you're ever in San Diego. She does talks every so often. She's well worth attending. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Probably Science. Probably Science, and that's available at probablyscience.com and through all the usual yep. podcast I receiving programs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and wh then... What else? And then I'm... Twitter? Yeah, Matt Kirshen, at Matt Kirshen, mattkirshen.com, <laughs> Facebook slash Matt Kirshen. <laughs> Just, it's such a, it's a, such an uncommon name that if you bash the keys... <laughs> Even vaguely close Trying to that. Trying to spell that, yeah. Yeah. K-I-R-S-H-E-N is the correct spelling. But get even vaguely within the ballpark and it's... Matt is the part where yeah. people are thrown. They're you like, do, like, 
M I R. Honestly, you go like again. This is Google <laughs> being good at data. If you go English comedian Matt K I, <laughs> gets it. Yeah, like yeah. it. It'll. I'll be. I'll be one of the drop down many. Matt King is normally above me because he was in Peep Show. <laughs> okay. Uh, I still haven't seen that, but I, I know it's an excellent show. It's on Netflix or Hulu, one of the two. It's I don't know. It's on. I think it's Hulu, but I could be wrong. Yeah. But either way, it's it's a very very good program. Yeah, I saw the the sketch. It might have been uh, that Mitchell and Webb look, but I saw um, the rocket scientist and brain surgeon. Yeah, that at is the party. <laughs> that is that Mitchell and Webb look. But yeah, it's the. Uh, so it's Mitchell and Webb are the two leads in Peep Show. It's a, that's a great sketch show as well. <laughs> And some of the, um, some of the people who wrote on Peep Show also contributed sketches to Mitchell and Webb. Okay. But they're just, it's just they're a talented group of people. <laughs> There's also a big overlap between the Peep Show writers and Veep. Oh wow. Um, Veep Show. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those guys, those guys, uh, some of them wrote the thick of it and then went on to write Veep. So there's a, there's an overlap in there. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, if you, if you have nothing else to plug, I don't want to like hold you. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for doing a concise one. (laughs) Yeah, it was a fun episode. It was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Um, and this has been you and me and thoughts and talk with Doug Culp. Thank you, Doug. Matt Kirshen. Yep.